turn with me please in your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 11. The book of Mark chapter 11 from verse 22 to 26. Thank you Jesus. Mark chapter 11 from verse 22 to 26. I read. The Bible says that in Jesus, now before I read this scripture, this the background of this scripture has to do with uh, just six days for Jesus to go on the cross for him to be crucified. And at this point, he is going to go into Jerusalem to correct what is happening in the house before he is crucified, to set the church in order. And the Bible says that he went to Bethany to the house of Martha and Mary where he usually takes time to rest. And the Bible says that when he was going, he was hungry. And as a result of that, he saw a fig tree afar off and went thinking that there was fruit on the fig tree. But when he got to the fig tree, there was no figs. There were only leaves. And Jesus answered it. That means the fig tree said something. I want you to follow me. The fig tree said something. Now what did the fig tree say? The fig tree, remember Jesus has only six days to die. And he was going to die a shameful death. He was going to be hung on the tree naked. The fig tree said to Jesus, I want to cover your nakedness just like I covered the first Adam's nakedness in the garden. So the Bible says, and Jesus cursed that fig tree and said, from today, no one eats of you from henceforth. The Bible says when he said that, his disciples heard it. And the following day when they came, they saw the fig tree withered to the ground follow me. And when they saw it, Peter said, Master, the fig tree that you curse has withered. And listen to Jesus' response. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Have faith in who? In God. In God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith verse 24 therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, look at verse 25. When you stand praying, what do you do? Forgive. Let's say it together. What do you do? Forgive. It says when you stand. He didn't say if you stand. He said when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that means if you have anything 
against any person who should forgive you are the responsible person to forgive it says that your father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses and we are blessed by the reading of God's word I want to share with you on the message that I believe is so crucial for us as a church, as families, as individuals that will take us to the next level of our work with God. And this message that I'm about to teach, I would say is the only mountain that stands before many Christians. And it's about 99.9% of Christians, if not 100%, are struggling with this subject. 99.9% are struggling with this subject. And so tonight, I want to speak to you on what I have titled forgiveness. Forgiveness. Say with me, forgiveness. Now, the God that we serve is a loving God. God is a loving God. God's love for us is unconditional. God's love for us is what? Unconditional. In other words, he doesn't forgive us or he doesn't love us because of what we have done. He loves us irrespective of what we have done. So God's love is unconditional. Now I'm going to make a statement. I want you to write this down. If you cannot forgive, you cannot love. If you cannot forgive, you cannot love. Why? Because God is love. And at one point of every Christian's life, we will struggle with forgiveness. Whether you like it or not, you will be offended by people. Whether you like it or not, if you're married, you will be offended by your husband or by your wife. You will be offended by your children. If you're working, you will be offended by your bosses or your colleagues. If you have friends, you will be offended by your friends. But the way, the way you handle that offense determines your level of maturity in your work with God. It's very important. Very crucial. Because if you cannot forgive, you cannot love. And I think that many will be disqualified of going to heaven because of unforgiveness. Many Christians will not make it to heaven because of what? 
unforgiveness. You say, Pastor, these are very strong statements. Yes, but you will see it very soon. Unforgiveness is the only cancer ravaging the church of Jesus Christ. And because you cannot see unforgiveness with the microscopic organs or whatever, if you're not careful, you will think that you are not working in unforgiveness. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, it says, let us examine ourselves whether we are in the faith. Let us examine ourselves whether we are still in the faith. It says, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be what reprobate. In other words, self-examination is one of the most difficult things. Why? Because we deny a lot of times our state of heart. That's why God said the heart of man is desperately wicked. And so therefore, if you cannot forgive, you cannot love. That's why it doesn't matter your level of faith. If you walk in unforgiveness, your faith will not work. It doesn't matter who you are. If you walk in unforgiveness, your faith will not work. And let me say this, don't waste your life being a Christian and allow a little unforgiveness to end you up in hell. Jesus is coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. And in many cases, when you wear a white garment and there is one little spot, it spoils the whole garment. It takes away the whole beauty of the garment. And most of the time, that spot is unforgiveness. If you are chewing a granite, you have the good ones, you've been chewing, chewing, and then you have one bad nut in there. It affects the whole nuts. That's unforgiveness. So unforgiveness is one thing that many Christians are struggling with. Struggling with. And as a result of that, our prayers have been hindered. Because God will never answer anybody who works in unforgiveness their prayers. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 verse 25, he says, when you stand praying, what do you do? Forgive. He said, when you stand, unless you don't pray, if you don't pray, you don't have to forgive. How many of us pray here? He said, when you stand praying, look at the first requirement, you must do what? Forgive. He didn't say, give money. He didn't say that. He said, when you stand praying, the first thing you must do is to what? Forgive. If you have something against someone, he didn't say, if someone has something against you. If he said that, it would have been an easy route for us. 
They say, ah, yeah, Jesus, he did that. Yeah, God, he did it. So, uh, I mean, he should come and apologize. No, he said, if you have something against someone, it is your responsibility to take the step of forgiveness. Not the person. Not that person, it is you. It says that your father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is, this is a very serious scripture right here. Now Jesus is saying that the only time God will forgive you is when you forgive. Wow. So that means if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. Is that true? Is that true? He said that when you stand praying, Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have something against anyone, that your father also, which is in heaven, may do what? May forgive you your trespasses. Why? Because you are not perfect. You are not perfect. So, the only way God will forgive you of your sins is when you forgive that brother or that sister or that boss or that Christian brother or that Christian sister. Verse 26 of Mark chapter 11. It says, but if you do not forgive, if you do not what? Can you see Jesus is putting the responsibility on you? He said, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Who is our father in heaven? Who is our father in heaven? Who is our father in heaven? God. So Jesus said, if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. That's a very serious statement. Now, how can God, who is all loving, who gave his only begotten son for us, not forgive us? So that means there is only one thing God cannot do, and that is if we don't forgive, God will not forgive us. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Who drank the poison? You drank it. Why do you expect that person to die? Who is going to die? It's you. You see, unforgiveness is allowing someone to rent a free space in your mind without pain. If you're a landlord and you have a tenant, you expect payment every month or every week. Now, examine this. Take, take a close look at this. You have a house. That house is your mind. And you have a tenant. And that tenant is renting a free space in your mind without paying. I don't know who has wronged you but they are not worth you losing heaven 
<laughs> I don't know who has wronged you, but they are not worth you losing heaven. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is going to help us to release all those people who have wronged us so we can make heaven. Do you know that some people are still holding on to uh, grudges that has taken 10, 20, 30 years? Some people, my father, my father went to his grave without forgiving his firstborn. He said to his firstborn, when I die, don't come to my funeral. And I don't want you to see my body. Yet, my, my father's firstborn was his number one beloved. He gave him everything, all his documents, his house, the few houses he had, he gave them to him. And obviously, at some point, there were disagreements, and I think he didn't want to give back my dad the documents, you know, he held on to them, and my dad became very angry, a lot of issues, but to the level where he said, when I die, I don't want you at my funeral. So at this point, I don't know, I believe I led my, my dad to Christ, my desire is that one day I'll see him in heaven. I hope he forgave my brother before he passed on. I hope so. But unforgiveness can make you miss heaven. Trust me. And I have seen the destiny of many gifted and talented people destroyed because of unforgiveness. This is serious stuff we are talking here. There are marriages that are in higher levels of unforgiveness. Higher levels. Higher levels. Your husband said the wrong thing, so what? Your wife said the wrong thing, so what? Forgive and move on. Your heaven is more important. Jesus died so you can make heaven. One of the areas the devil has succeeded by bringing division in the church is through unforgiveness. We all preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. What is the differences between us? Oh, forgiveness. This one said this. This one did that. This one said this against me. And so the body of Christ, instead of being one, is divided. I came to the church. The pastor was preaching on tithing. And he was looking at me because I don't tithe. And people become offended and they leave church because of that. They leave where God has planted them for life, for them to flourish. And if you're not where God has planted you to flourish, you can never flourish. I am yet to see a tree being uprooted every, every year and planted in different places ever bear fruit before. The same truth in that area is the same truth in your spiritual work with God. Why would you let the way an usher ushered you to sit down make you miss heaven? 
Why? Why would you let the way somebody spoke to you in your department make you miss heaven? Why? You see, the reason why these things are happening is because we haven't fed the spirit enough. We are constantly feeding the flesh. And what you feed will grow. And because the church has focused on feeding the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the church is walking in carnality. Now, did you know Jesus said offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom offenses come. Jesus said it will be better if a, a, a stone, big stone is hanged on your neck and pushed you into the sea for you to drown. So we have to be careful. These are serious things many Christians are struggling with. Four things unforgiveness hinders you from. Number one, unforgiveness hinders the flow of God's grace in your life. Unforgiveness hinders the flow of God's grace in your life. So if you want to walk in the grace of God, you have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, then you will not have the flow of God's grace in your life. I'm telling you, this message will liberate you tonight. It will free some of you tonight. Your life will never be the same. Every time I have taught on this subject, I have seen God freed people. As one of our leaders in this church, one day I was preaching on forgiveness and, and after the service she came, she was crying. She was crying. I said, why? She said, my father has been dead many years and gone, yet I'm angry with him. I never forgave him. So some of us are struggling with issues of unforgiveness. The Bible says, don't allow any root of bitterness grow up in you is a root even though it's a root of bitterness it grows up we have to be careful we have to uproot it so that we walk in freedom number two unforgiveness hinders the flow of the blessing of God in our lives Unforgiveness hinders the flow of the blessing of God in our lives. How many of you want to walk in the blessing? Of course we all want to walk in the But the moment you walk in unforgiveness, the blessing stops flowing. Unforgiveness is like a cork that blocks the tap or the water from coming through to the other side. You know what a cork is? Prevents the drink from leaking. Number three, unforgiveness hinders the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is very important. So that means when you walk in unforgiveness, the Holy Spirit will never be in your life. Remember, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our helper. So if you walk in unforgiveness, 
the Holy Spirit will have no place in your life because the Holy Spirit cannot be grieved. And unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. Number four, unforgiveness hinders our prayers from being answered and that affects our relationship with God. The fourth one is unforgiveness hinders our prayers and as a result of that, it hinders our prayers from being answered and as a result of that, it affects our relationship with God. Because every time you ask God something and God says no, you begin to wonder, God, am I really your son? So it's so important and crucial for us to walk in forgiveness. Don't drink that poison and think that person will die. Do you know, some of us go to bed and at night in our bed, we are tweaking. Do you know why? In our bed we are kicking. The leg is tweaking or kicking. It's because you have an issue with someone and before you went to bed, you thought about the person. <laughs> so in your dream, you're kicking the person. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. No. You cannot have a peaceful rest when you walk in unforgiveness. I'm going to say something that is that will shake your theory a little bit. Do you know that to a certain level cancer is caused by unforgiveness? Because when you don't forgive your heart it's not right. The blood flow is not proportionate. Every time you think about that person or that thing, your blood pressure goes up high. If you like, go and buy a blood pressure monitor and think about someone who has wronged you that you have never forgiven. And after that, measure your blood pressure. It will go in the sky roof, above the roof. That's a powerful forgiveness. And unforgiveness will kill you before your time. It will destroy you before your time. And every time you walk in unforgiveness, there is no joy around you. You don't walk in joy. And as for being offended, my brother, my sister, you will be offended. Are you a human being? Are you? So far as you are a human being, you will be offended. Jesus said, blessed is him who is not offended in me. Now, John the Baptist introduced Jesus to the whole world. It's never happened before. When the mother of John the Baptist met with Jesus' mother, Mary, the Bible says that the baby in their womb leaped. They had a spiritual connection even when they were not born. John the Baptist came and said, Behold, here is a lamb of, of God that taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water. 
but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist testified of Jesus. He said, I am the voice in the wilderness preparing the way for him to come. So if there's anybody who knows more about Jesus, it's John the Baptist. It's John the Baptist. Yet when John was in prison, Jesus did not visit John in prison. When John the Baptist was in prison, Jesus knows better. Jesus did not visit John the Baptist in prison. The Bible says that and because of that, John the Baptist was offended. And because he was offended, the same John who testified of Jesus sent his disciples to go and check whether Jesus is the Christ or should we expect another. That means John the Baptist now is disqualifying his testimonial about Jesus. John the Baptist said, Jesus, this is Jesus. This is the one. Now John the Baptist is sending his disciples to go and ask, Jesus, are you the one or should we expect another? And check Jesus' response. The Bible says that Jesus said to this disciples of John, go and tell John the Baptist, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised back to life. But go and tell John the Baptist, blessed is he who is not offended in me. And after they left, Jesus, because he knew the power of forgiveness, looked at his own disciples and said to them, among all that was born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. The moment you can say good things about those who have offended you, you have qualified and matured into adulthood and passed on to be able to forgive people. And the Bible says that because John the Baptist was offended, his head was cut off. That means every time you get offended in the things of God, your head will be cut off. Be careful of offenses. Barnabas was a great teacher. Barnabas introduced Paul to the apostles. Before Paul showed up in the scene, Barnabas was the main man. <laughs> but one day, the Bible says that a certain John Mark brought division between Paul and Barnabas and they went their separate ways and from that time onwards we did not hear of the name Barnabas any longer now when Barnabas was with Paul every time Paul's name was mentioned 
Barnabas' name was mentioned. <laughs> but because of offenses, Barnabas missed his place in history. So we have to be we have to be careful of offenses. I'm praying that we take this message and pass it on to everyone that we know so that we can all make heaven. That's my ultimate desire. The reason why God called me into ministry is to prepare his people for heaven. What's the point? Matthew 16, 26. What shall he profit a man if he gains the whole world, gains fame, gains wealth, gains everything and loses his own soul? That means your soul is important to God. And hear me, any church you go to, that the pastor cannot see you in the face and tell you, my dear, my, my dear brother, my dear sister, <laughs> this is wrong. <laughs> That's not where you belong. That's not where you belong. God loves us but he rebukes us. Don't miss heaven. Your years of being saved is not worth somebody's little mistake for you to miss heaven. You see, the sad thing is whether you like it or not, human beings are ungrateful. I hope you know that by now. And who are human beings? We are human beings. All of us are ungrateful. Right or wrong? Yeah, all of us. The, the Bible said there is none righteous. No, not even one. Before you think you are righteous, look yourself, examine yourself. There is none righteous. No, not even. So the day you, you, you'll see a perfect church, right? The day you see a perfect church, don't join it. Because if you join it, that perfect church will become imperfect. The day you see a perfect church, don't join it. You say, I'm looking for a perfect church. I'm, the day you see one, don't join it. Because the moment you join it, that church will become imperfect. Why? Because you are not perfect. And there is no perfect church this side of the earth for your information. So, human beings are ungrateful. People will be ungrateful. The Bible says that in the last days, many will become lovers of selves rather than lovers of God. We are in the last days of the last days. And one of the th secrets I mastered in my early years of ministry is this. I forgive people before they offend me. Before you offend me, I've already forgiven you. And I know you will offend me, praise God. 
No, not that I know you do. You do offend me. You know, praise God. Sometimes when I'm preaching, you're sleeping. That's you're offending me. But when I'm preaching a powerful message, you are yawning. You're offending me. You know, you're offending me. But I forgave you in my house before I came to church. I forgave you. As a matter of fact, I forgave you before you joined the church. <laughs> so, so you have to understand. You have to because I'm not going to miss heaven because of you. And will you, will I, have I been offended by church members? Oh, yes. <laughs> Gonna shake my head like Tito. Oh, yes. You say how many times, Pastor? Many times. Oh, many times. But I forgave them before they joined the church. So I have nothing against anyone. Jesus said the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. I don't sleep on my bed and thinking about a church member who has offended me. Never. I don't want to be sleeping and kicking my wife. And then my wife is wondering what's happening. She is suffering for somebody else's error. Never. So let's, let's value our salvation. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means our salvation is so precious. How many of you have handled one million pounds before in your hands? Are you sure? <laughs> okay, soon. The day you hand, okay, let, let me come down. How many of you have handled uh, 50,000 pounds in your hands, cash before? No? I should come down. Okay. okay. How many of you have, have you handled 50,000? cash in your hands before. Okay, the first time you handled it, how did you feel? Did you handle it, taking it through town? Going to the bank? Oh, in the bank. Not, we're not talking about in the church or in the bank. No, praise God. Take, take, let's say, okay, let's say take 10th or 20,000 pounds, right? From your house to the bank. And see, if it's the first time you're carrying it, You'll be shaking. You'll be trembling. You'll be what? Trembling. Why? Because it's valuable. The Bible says we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's how serious it is. Because it's something so precious. Are you following me? It's so precious. So when you are handling this salvation, you handle it with fear and trembling so you can make it to your destination. So Jesus said, when you stand praying, what do you do? Forgive. When you stand praying, what do you do? Forgive. What do you do? Forgive. Can I hear you? When you stand praying, what do you do? Forgive. You forgive. Why? Because you want your prayers answered. Anything planted 
or done in an atmosphere of unforgiveness does not grow or flourish. Anything planted or done in an atmosphere of unforgiveness does not grow or flourish. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 and 24. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, talking about your offering, he said, if thou bring thy gift or your offering to the altar and there remembrance that thy brother has us against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar go thy way first be reconciled to thy brother then come and offer thy gift somebody say wow, wow. so that means every offering you gave in an unforgiving heart was not received by God you wasted your money Now listen to the instruction Jesus is giving. Jesus said, if you bring an offering to church, how many of you brought an offering to church today? That means you have to bring an offering every time you come to church. That's what Jesus is saying. <laughs> now that, that's what Jesus is saying. <laughs> you know, Jesus said when you come, so that means even when you come to church and the offering has been taken before you come, give your offering after the service. Of course, if you want to reap, you have to sow. Isn't that right? How many of you want to reap? If you want to reap, you have to sow. You have to give. So Jesus said, if you bring your offering to the church, to the altar, and in the church you remember that you have something against your brother listen to what Jesus said he said don't give the offering leave it at the altar he didn't say take it home <laughs> Jesus never said take the offering back home now Jesus is very clear in his words now can we read it together don't say I'm putting words in the Bible now. <laughs> Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Let's read it. Ready? Go. It says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and rememberest that thy brother hath us against thee, leave there thy gift before what? Before what? Before what? Did I say that? Who said that? Jesus. Who said that? Jesus. Who said that? Jesus. Church, who said that? Jesus. So that's not a good excuse to say, ah, I, I remember what, I remember that issue. So today I'm taking my offering home. <laughs> Jesus said, leave your offering at the altar. <laughs> Jesus said, leave your offering at the altar. Don't, don't spend it. Don't touch it. Because that offering belongs to God. Jesus said, leave the offering at the altar. So that means these two areas are very important. Settling the issue with your brother and giving of the offering, they are both equally important. And some of us, 
We have issues with brothers and sisters 15,000 miles away. <laughs> so before you come and give your offering, when you remember that issue, that means you have to, you cannot call now. You have to go. Do you see how much it costs you to be offended and to hold grudges? It said, go that mile. If it's 10 miles, go. Leave the, go. Maybe by the time you come back to the church, the church is closed. <laughs> Jesus said, leave your offering at the altar. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus never said, after that, don't, bring, don't give. He said, then come and offer your gift. So that means everything we plant in an environment of unforgiveness does not grow. Everything we plant in an environment of what? Unforgiveness does not grow. So, can you remember all your tithes and offering that you have given? He said, God, why is this tithe not working? Unforgiveness. You see, God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. You know, I read something recently and I was scared. I was very scared in my relationship with God. I was scared. God said, the Bible says, cursed is everyone who does not love God. So that means when you don't love God, there's a curse upon you. When I read that, I was scared. I said, you cannot play games or gimmicks with God. You can be serving in a department thinking you're doing it for man. But if you don't do it right, it's a curse upon you. Listen, God is a loving God and he gave his only begotten son for a sinful world. But there is only one thing he does not forgive and that is unforgiveness. <laughs> There's only one thing God does not forgive. And that is what? Unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Are you getting something out of this? After today, you're going to be free. I say you're going to be free. Freedom is coming to you. The Holy Spirit will make you free. You're no longer walking this burden of unforgiveness anymore. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15. It says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Now, whenever you read the scripture and you hear the word also, it means it's in equal proportion. Whenever you read the word and you hear also, it means it's in what? Equal proportion. Now, Jesus said, if you forgive men their trespasses, 
your heavenly father will also forgive who? You. Verse 15. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's serious, isn't it? This is the only thing God says, if you don't take the first step, I am not moving an inch. God said, if you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. This is the only thing. How can a loving God who gave his own son to a sinful world says, if you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. Do you know what God is saying? God is saying that the love I demonstrated to you, I expect you to demonstrate the same to your brother or sister. Do you remember that parable of that man in the scriptures who was owing the judge a huge amount of money and the judge forgave him what he was owing? And then just when he left the presence of the judge or the king, he steps out and he sees his neighbor who was owing him something little. <laughs> the Bible says that he started choking him and said, pay me, pay me what you owe me. Yet, what that neighbor was owing him was little compared to what he was owing the judge or the king. When the judge or the king heard it, he said, bring him back. He is an ungrateful person. Bring him back. And as a result of that, he was put in prison for life. That's what happens. L listen, God has forgiven us worse things. We've done worse things. What that brother or that sister did to you cannot be compared to what you have done to God. Now, let's even bring it down. It cannot be compared to what you have done to others. Because there is none righteous. No, not even one. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. All, not some, all. That is why I give people opportunity as a pastor. You see, when I give you an opportunity as a pastor through your imperfections and now you want to use your little perfections against somebody else's imperfection, it grieves my heart. That's the same thing the Bible is talking about. Jesus said, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you of your sins. Women, hear me. I want to free you tonight. Women, hear me. Especially you women. I know that words means a lot to you. And that's true. Words means a lot to you. And that boyfriend, that first boyfriend of yours who broke your heart many years ago, you're still holding him in your heart. Release him. Release him. Don't let him make you miss heaven. It's true. Some of you have not forgiven. 
forgiving them. And let's go deep tonight. Some of us probably divorced through no fault of ours are still holding things against that man. And as a result of that, we are pro probably currently married, but we cannot forgive our current husband because we are looking at that current husband through the eyes of the old one. He hasn't done anything. Leave that man alone. He hasn't done anything. Why do you judge someone based on somebody else's issue? Women, I know words are important to you, but you have to learn to forgive. I know you incubate words. Some of you are incubating words someone said to you 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago, 1 year ago. You are holding it against them. They said, one day I will show them where power lies. What if Jesus comes before that one day? So we must learn to forgive. Question, how do I forgive? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. Do you want to know how to forgive, don't you? Do you want to know how to forgive? Okay, so how do I forgive? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. It says, but be ye hungry, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. When you walk in unforgiveness, you are giving place to the devil. It says, be angry, but do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down. That means you have to forgive how? Quickly. 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 You never go to bed with unforgiveness in your heart. And married couples, hear me. Never go to bed with unforgiveness in your heart. Married couples, hear me. Never go to bed with unforgiveness in your heart. Because if you are not careful, you miss heaven because of that. And stop harboring over issues. Anything that is less than one day old should never be brought back into the marriage to be discussed. Why? Because you are not an archaeologist. <laughs> archaeologists dig up the past. Stop digging the past. I said, do you remember? Do you remember? Ten years ago you did this. Ten years ago you did this. Ten years ago you did this. Come on. You are, you, <laughs> you are harboring something that happened ten years ago. Five years ago you did it. Five One month is too old. In our marriage is a rule. Anything older than a day is not permitted to be resurrected. Because I am not an archaeologist. And women, you can be very specific. 
very specific. You give the exact time, exact date, the color of his shirt, where you were standing, which position. And so I was standing here on Valentine's Day at 1442.5 <laughs> seconds. And you did the same thing. Come on now. So how do I forgive? Number one, forgive quickly. Number one, forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. Number two, forgive easily. Number two, forgive easily. Number three, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Number three, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Number four, anger and unforgiveness give the devil access into your life. Anger and unforgiveness gives the devil access into your life. So the moment you are angry, you have permitted the devil access into your life. And you know the devil, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So, what is the best way to forgive? What's the best way to forgive? <laughs> and how many times should I forgive? You know the answer. 70 times what? <laughs> <laughs> Multiply 70 times 7. What's the, what's the answer? For what? 490. So that's how many times you should forgive. When somebody does something against you, you must forgive the person 490 times. And you know someone will never do the same thing 490 times. So Jesus said if somebody does something against you, Forgive them how many times? 70 times 7. 490 times. <laughs> forgive quickly. Forgive easily. Don't give the devil foot foothold in your life. Quickly as we get ready to close. The best way to forgive is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 to 32. The best way to forgive Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 32. I read, it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In other words, don't say anything evil about that person. <laughs> don't say anything evil about that person. One of my rules as a pastor is I don't speak evil about people in their presence or in their absence most especially in their absence that's a rule so in my house I don't discuss members fault because I told you I forgave you before you came to the church if somebody does anything you will never hear me talking about someone behind their back. Never. If I put CCTV in my house, connected to your house, you will never hear me say anything bad about anyone. It doesn't mean the people God has given me are perfect. 
as a rule, as a pastor, I don't criticize other pastors. My pastors will tell you. Never. I've never sat in a meeting with my pastors and then we are discussing another church. No. No. That's what I'll call it. You don't have to cut people short so you, be, you look taller than them. Are you following me? You don't have to cut down people so you can look taller than them. You don't have to blow the light of people for your light to shine brighter. So as a rule, I don't let no corrupt communication come out of my mouth. That's why, you see, well, I'll say one thing. One key thing that I learned from my dad is that he had a pure heart. He had a pure heart. That's why no one could do anything wicked against him. My dad had a pure heart. And if there's any virtue I took from my dad, that is the pureness of his heart. And Jesus said it. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Is it the kingdom of God or the earth? So your heart must be pure all the time. Don't say, you see, even if you have an opportunity to speak evil about someone that has offended you, don't. Don't. The moment you do, you give the devil room and access. Don't. So on your dining table, what do you discuss? There are more things for you to talk about than talking about others. How much are they paying you to discuss others? <laughs> How much are they paying you? Stop wasting your time. And I know sometimes you take me to your dinner table and you discuss me. <laughs> I say, Pastor, today, Pastor, hey, Pastor, Pastor was just, he was looking at one direction today. <laughs> one direction, one direction. <laughs> uh, so Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of Edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You want your church to grow? This is the key. Don't beat down people. God has not given me great members like you for me to beat down on you. Nobody wants to go to a place they are devalued. Are you following me? Even in your errors, I say you are doing good. Maybe you're in the choir. You sing off tune. I say, oh, praise the Lord. Today you sang very well. <laughs> you know, today you sang very well. You, know, you said the, the heaven came down. Praise God. That is ministering grace. You understand? And people want to be where they are uplifted. That is my ministry. To uplift people, not to beat people down. People are struggling too much for them to come to church and for you to beat them down. That's why some preacher will say, oh, these days they don't talk about sin in the church. Yes, we do. Unforgiveness is one sin that will make you miss heaven. And I'm talking about it, but in a very nicely packaged way. So we must be ministers of what grace. What are we? 
Ministers of what? Grace. Ministers of what? Grace. Do good to your enemies. You'll confuse them. Walk in love towards them. Christmas Day, send them food. Amen? Send them some food through their parcel. You confuse them. They'll be confused. <laughs> Verse 30. Look at what unforgiveness does. Verse 30 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So every time you walk in unforgiveness, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speakings be put away from you with all malice. So every time you open your mouth, let all these things be put away. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away, away from you with all malice. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Or say a good amen to that. Amen. So it's very key and important that we walk in forgiveness towards one another. Someone stole your money, forgive them. Someone borrows money from you, they don't want to pay you back, forgive them. Have the power over your emotion. Listen. If you allow your emotions or your feelings to lead you, you will not make it to heaven. Because feelings come, feelings go. You've heard of this. I've told you this story before. There was a time I was going to park at the post office, you know, when the place used to be free. And when you're about to park, you line up. And then I was in the queue. And then somebody came from the back and went and parked in the empty space. I was so angry. Thoughts were raging through my mind. I said, let me bring out my khaki. Let me just put a mark on his car. Let me put puncture. Let me, you know. I was a pastor then. A pastor thinking evil thoughts about a parking space. Do you know people have fought because of parking space? Disgrace themselves. Be so don't give your emotions rule over you. Don't let your emotions rule you. Finally, as we close, five steps to forgiveness. Five steps. Number one, be honest with yourself. Be what? Be honest with yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't say you don't have issues of unforgiveness. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest. Number two, seek spiritual counseling or professional counseling if you are not able to deal with the situation on your own. Seek spiritual counseling or professional counseling if you are not able to deal with the situation on your own. So that means this is a very serious issue. How many of you have watched that movie Anger Management before? There's a movie like that, isn't it? 
Anger is not supposed to be managed for your information. I think one of my first book that I wrote is Eight Steps on How to Deal with Anger. So go and look for it. Number three, ask God for grace to help you forgive. Number three, ask God for grace to help you forgive. Number four, forgive yourself first before forgiving the other person. This is very important. If you can't forgive yourself, you can't forgive the other person. Jesus said, love thy neighbor as yourself. So, if you can't forgive yourself, you cannot forgive the other person. And then the fifth one is pray for them by mentioning their names. Hallelujah. Mention their names. So tonight we're going to pray and you're going to mention their names. Pray for them by mentioning their names. <laughs> Father, forgive Joseph. <laughs> Father, forgive them for they know what they are doing. Say, pastors for this one, not Jesus. <laughs> Father, forgive Cynthia. You have to mention their names. That's the only time you know you have dealt with it. Now every time you think about them and you mention their name and your heart is boiling, boom, 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 then you have it. You have it. Hallelujah. Did you receive it today? Yes. Let's give Jesus some praise. I think we can give Jesus a better praise. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's rise up on our feet.